You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. The Montreal Canadiens lose 4-3 in an OT thriller Thursday night against the Winnipeg Jets at the Bell Centre. My name is Marc-Anthony Bertaggia. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first ever episode of Habs Culture, the podcast. Before we get into Thursday night's game, I'm going to go over a few things that happened this week with the Montreal Canadiens. So, Marc Bergevin relieved Stefan Waite of his duties with the team. He has hired Sean Burke as director of goaltending. He will arrive after his 14-day quarantine with the team. So, Justin, I'm going to throw it on to you. Habs, Jets, a lot of mistakes, a lot of good things. Blue jerseys, overtime, not a good mix for the Montreal Canadiens. How did you feel? Honestly, I thought 5-on-5 five five and uh, regulation looked fairly solid. Couldn't complain about the play there. I mean, moving into overtime, I think that's a topic of discussion that we'll approach later on in the episode. But I think looking at the positive side of things, I think we saw better 5-on-5 five five play from the Kakanyemi line. I think that was a move in the right direction. We didn't just see his what he can do uh, on the power play, but we saw what he can do at five on five. Um, I think also we're starting to see, you know, Drew Wayne break through as a very talented player. He's getting the opportunity, and I think that's also important to note. And once again, we saw the special teams come to fruition once again, one for one on the power play. Um, and I think that's important. Like we talked about, you know, me and you, it's important to get the special teams rolling. To be yeah, able special to be- teams play uh, like it's the past. Two games now it's been where special teams have been huge for the team. Not sure if it's completely... I think it's Alex Burrows. You know, different perspective. different for sure. For the, especially for Kotkaniemi because when Kotkaniemi got sent down to Laval before the bubble, before the playoff bubble, he played in Laval on the power play in that exact position with Alex Burrows. And now I think they're bringing that to the Montreal Canadiens. So it's exciting to see. We'll go over the first period a bit because their legs were moving. It wasn't very clean like the passes weren't clean execution wasn't perfect but there was still opportunity to score which I think we liked yeah and I and I 100% agree with that and I think just to also note one thing when you when you commented on the sloppy play I think a a big part of that too was uh, time of possession you know we were we were not a team that was controlling the puck and and doing what we did in that game against uh, the Sens on Mm -hmm. uh, was it Tuesday night Yes, it was Tuesday on Tuesday night. night. Yeah. What what I liked on Tuesday night and what I wanted to see a little bit more in Thursday night's game mm-hmm. was once we picked up the puck and and you know picked it off of the sends in the neutral zone, turn it right back up the ice and you know create some scoring chances. Get the get the def- the defenseman on their heels. And last night in that first period, I didn't see that at all. Once mm-hmm. we got possession of the puck, it was you know a slower paced game. It was a, a lot of dumping in, not much forechecking, not much aggression. So I think that's where they caught us lacking in that first period. Yeah, I completely agree. It was it was not like game zero to ten. That's for sure. That first period. Second period, they bounced back a bit differently. They got those power play goal. They got that power play goal. Um, and now I just want to go over the lines a bit because it's been a topic of discussion for the past week or so with Dominic Ducharme in charge. Look, we can go over overtime later because I think that's a huge subject of what happened in, on Thursday night's game. But if we're looking at the lines here, Jonathan Jouin and Suzuki, I think they're going to stick together for a good amount of time. I like them together. Now they have to Foley. 
so I bring this up for you, Justin, and for those listening who can DM us on Twitter, on Instagram, answer our stories. The question of the day here, once Anderson gets back into the lineup, do you put Josh Anderson with Jesperi Kotkaniemi or do you put him back with Suzuki and move to Foley? I'm a guy I'm a kind of I'm the kind of guy that doesn't like to, you know, touch things that are working. Okay. And I think and I think Anderson with Suzuki and Drouin has worked in the past and we've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. We they they all complement each other very nicely. Drouin, we talked about this but has, you know, become that playmaker. Suzuki is the perfect two-way f- yeah. centerman and Anderson is that big powerhouse guy that, you know, with speed and size, is able to get to the net and create some scoring opportunities. So I really do like that line, and I think Toffoli has slotted in there and done his job. Mm-hmm. I just think that a guy like Toffoli can also complement a guy like Jesperi Kakanyemi. Yeah. Kakanyemi is playing with Armia and Lekkinen right now. In my opinion, Armia and Lekkinen are good fourth-line centers, but they should not be playing with a guy like Kakanyemi of that age, of that talent, of that skill. You need to put him with someone who can put the puck in the back of the net. Kakanyemi has created scoring chances with his passing, and he's also been using his shot a little bit more as of late. So I think putting him with a guy like Toffoli, you're going to see a lot more, you know, offense from from Kakanyemi and that line as a whole. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's two lines now that I'm looking at. Well, we've seen it for the past week or so. The Thomas Tatar, Philip Deneau, Brendan Gallagher line. I'm still extremely surprised that that thing exists because it's hap- it, it's worked in the past, yes. And I understand Ducharme trying to get it back into rhythm when he got hired and when he got well when he got promoted. Um, but now I, I think it has to change because Tatar and Dano, it's they're not playing good hockey. Everyone knows that. And I think Gallagher, look, he scored on the power play uh, on Thursday night, but he hasn't been scoring five on five. So I think. If you can put him with Toffoli and Kotkaniemi, that would be a great second line to Suzuki's. I, I, I agree. And even if even if Ducharme doesn't want to touch too much, why not, you know, put Kotkaniemi between Tatar and Gallagher? If he doesn't want to touch too much, right? Yeah. You, you're still putting him between two guys that have proved to, to you know, score goals in the past. So I think that... I think I think as much as you, you know, you put a little bit of emphasis on Tatar, which I I agree, he's not playing mm-hmm. his best hockey, but I think a big problem comes from Dano. Yeah, it could very well be. Well, he did play with Kotkaniemi a bit. There was a bit of chemistry there, we can say. But yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Dano should not be given this amount of minutes with these players. I'd like to see him with Lekkonen. Or you know what? Even Lekkonen. I'm not even sure when Anderson comes back. Is this guy still in the lineup? You're uh, you're talking about Lekkonen? Yeah. Because who- I don't think so. I mean, unless they want to take out Byron, but I think Byron does his job perfectly on that fourth line left wing. I wouldn't wing. touch that fourth line. No, I'd I wouldn't take out Lekkonen. I wouldn't either. Yeah, I would. I would. And yeah, and keep and uh, and then you would what bring Tatar down to play with with Kakanyemi? Oh, and- I'd move Armia. I'd move Armia. Oh no, I would keep Armia on the third on the third line. I'd like to see. Tatar, Dano, and Armia. Because then that frees up Toffoli, Kotkaniemi, Yeah, I agree with that. And then, yeah. And then I like those two lines rolling. Like, I don't know where Gallagher on which wing he'd play on with Toffoli because they're both on the right right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think he's the type of guy that, like, it doesn't necessarily matter. He, he 
he's not a guy that comes down the wing and takes a, a he's not he's not Ovechkin. Yeah, exactly. You know, like he just gets to the net. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what he does. Yeah, I think either either of them can play on their off wing. Uh, I don't think it matters that much, but I'd like to see a change because. Look, I understand when you're a new coach, you come in, you don't want to change everything. Already you have a new philosophy. You don't want to change everything and get everyone confused. But now we're a few games in. They have one win under Ducharme out of four, right? Mm-hmm. Two overtime losses as well. Two overtime losses, which the, the the three-on-three lines we'll get to later. But I just think something needs to change on the forward lines and now on the defensive pairings because I know you, you 100% have something to say about this. Oh, 100%. And I, I think... Uh... I think it goes without saying that Shea Weber and Sherratt as a pairing are not working. And I know I know, I think you disagree a little bit mm-hmm. uh, as to boosting up Romanov to play yeah. with Weber. I just think that Romanov's offensive capability and his ability to join the rush and Weber's stay-at-home mentality complement each other very nicely. 100%. And I think, you know, I think Sherratt as of late hasn't been playing terrible hockey. He takes very... Uh, you know, very undisciplined. Like he's been, he's been very undisciplined. And you know, with the high sticking penalties, the the pucks over the glass. So I think I don't, I don't think that really, you know, that 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 doesn't really have anything to do with his play. But I think it has more to do with like his mental game. But I think it would be good, you know, you know, keep Edmondson and Petrie. That's I like that pairing. But I I think I would put, I think I would put Sherratt with Kulak. Yeah, I'd put Petrie and Edmondson as the number one. Mm-hmm. If Romanov goes with Petrie, it would be nice because now Romanov's playing on the right. He's a, he should be on the left, but they put Kulak on the left. So if you put Romanov with Weber, I'd like that as a second pairing because at least Romanov doesn't have to go up against guys like Shifley. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? On a yeah. consistent basis. So if you have Edmondson and Petrie, which I really like them together, I they, really like they, Edmondson they, as a they play a good They play a good game. Yeah, they play a good game. So you put that as your first pairing. Romanov with Weber. And I'd even throw Mete with Sherratt. Why not try and get him in there? I I don't disagree with yeah. that at all, and I and I think right, like I think Mete, even though you know he hasn't proved to create much offense in the past, but he does, but he does love to join the rush, yeah. like Romanov, and he likes to get in, and he's a speedy guy who can make up for his, you know, if he gets into the corner on offense, he can he can bust his ass back to get on defense. Yeah, yeah I completely agree, and that's why with Sherratt, Sherratt needs to stay back because right now he's joining the rush because Weber stays back, and Sherratt. Up in the rush, literally does nothing. Well, he's he's in the corner a lot, and I don't understand why. I feel like, I think it, I think against the Jets there was a three on one, and he joined the rush, and he completely screwed it up. I'm yeah. not 100 percent if it was against the Jets. He's not an offensive minded guy, right? Like he's not. That's not his job. Yeah. His job is to hold down the fort on defense, and you know, you know, create some havoc in the neutral zone. Don't let them get in. He's a bigger body. He likes to use his body. So I think like if he sticks to his what he's good at, you know. The, the let, let's just let's just call him the stay-at-home D-man yeah. and pair him with a guy like you said Mete who has that offensive capability. I think that would complement each other very nicely, just like Romanov would complement Shea Weber's play nicely. Yeah, yeah, that I think would be a a nice defense setup here for the Habs. Um, now we go, we went through the forwards, went through the defense, and now I hate to say it, but I think we have a goaltending controversy here in Montreal. I don't understand why there was so much uh there was so much talk about, you know, price over the past few days. A lot of talk mm-hmm. about price over the last few days. He comes back, plays a good game, right? 963 save percentage, 26 save win. Mm-hmm. And then doesn't start the next game. Listen, 
I'm not saying it's a bad decision on Ducharme or the management's part. I'm just, I'm curious as to why. I'm curious as to why. I don't know if you have, you know, a, an answer. Look, unless it was Price's decision, everyone knows he likes to play Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. Their next game's on Saturday. It's against the Jets, right? Mm-hmm. But I would have started Price just because of the way he's been playing where he needs that confidence. He just came off a win. I'd throw him up against the Jets, see if he can build onto that instead of now having these few days off, contemplating maybe now I have to do it again instead of building up that confidence. But look, we'll see how he plays Saturday because he's 100% going to start. And uh, look, Jake Allen played a good game. He's been solid all year. But at the end of the day, Carey Price is going to win this team playoff games. It's not Jake Allen. Mm -hmm. So... You have to win games, but you also have to get your goalie going and carry price to the goalie that has to get going. Right. So yeah, go ahead. And and I was just gonna say that I think I think Jake Allen comes in, right? And and he his job and he knows it is to relieve price of some of his duties, yeah. right? The guy last year played fifty plus games in an eighty two no, they didn't even finish the season. So in a in a set I think it was like seventy ish game season. Yeah. So to be playing that many games, I don't care how good you are, I don't care how much skill you have. The amount you play is going to affect your game in the long run, right? In these longer seasons. So Jake Allen coming in, in a 56-game season, to, you know, play some of these games to be able to give Price some rest, is important. And and I'm pretty sure from what I've heard is that the decision for Allen to play last night, or sorry, Thursday night, was a... uh, was a schedule a, like a schedule situation that they had decided at the beginning of the season. So I don't I don't know if that's true or not, but I think you know giving Allen some games is is good for him. He's played well when he's been in the net, so I'm not complaining about that. But I just think a guy like Price who feeds off of good play and who feeds off of a confidence boost after playing a great game on uh, on Tuesday night needs to get back in the crease as soon as possible. Yeah, because when you go into the season that with Allen and Price, it was going to be 60-40. Because we've never seen a backup goaltender that's good for Carey Price, right? Since he's been here. 100%. So, look, now I'm looking at their schedule right now. They play the Jets on Saturday. Then they play, then they go on a one, two, three, four, five, a six-game road trip starting Monday in Vancouver. So I think that's where it gets tricky because you have a back-to-back on the 10th and the 11th. I think Price has to play the majority of these games. Right, I think he will. Yeah, yeah, I think he will. He has to, because he has to build that confidence. Right, this is the guy they need. And look, Allen's been playing well, but he hasn't been getting wins. And I know it's as a goalie. Look, he plays well. He's making the saves he needs to make. But it's not like he's getting a bunch of wins either. So at one point, Ducharme's got to realize that Price is our guy, and he's got to be in the net. For sure. For sure. Yeah, and again. These are a lot of changes to the lineup. We went through the forward, went through the defense. Um, but I'd like to see these changes, and I don't think they're going to be that drastic, at least. They don't have practice today. I think they have a day off. So it would have to be in the morning skate tomorrow, which I doubt will be much change, right? Because they play. Yeah, I don't think they so. They play Saturday night. Do you think Josh Anderson gets back into the lineup? I hope so. I think he will be. He, he was on the ice uh, Wednesday. He was, yeah. For, I think it was for morning skate. 
but or, or for practice, sorry, but was not taking line rushes, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. He wasn't. But but from the Twitter videos I saw, he looked fairly good and like he didn't have a problem skating or anything. Mm-hmm. So I think he could really get back into the lineup on on Saturday and make a big difference because he's you know for the Habs at least he's a game changer. He's our game changer. Yeah, you notice when he's on the ice. Oh, you and he he when he has the puck, he makes plays. There's sometimes where I'm watching the games, look against Ottawa, against Winnipeg. I'm like, man, Josh Anderson would have been great in this this scenario. And it sucks that he's on the lineup. Hopefully he's back against the Jets because, man, the Jets are so talented. Like, if you looking at their top six. They have the best top six yeah, in the North Division. they do. They do, without a doubt. And like, complete top six. Leafs fans, you can DM me all you want. You can DM <laughs> us all you want. I'm not going to hear it. The Jets have the best top six. I mean, well, I mean, look, don't don't get me wrong. The, the top six for the Leafs is Matthews, 100%. Marner, Tavares, Nylander. But but where are their holes? Their holes are in Joe Thornton and Zach Hyman. Yeah. Look at, go take a look at the Jets. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nikolai Ehlers, Mark Scheifele, Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler. I'm missing one name, and I'm pretty sure Paul it's a big one. Paul Stastny. So they can compete with literally anyone. Literally any line in the North Division. Like, look at their center depth. They have Paul Stastny on the wing. Yeah, which is nuts. Imagine Paul Stastny instead of Philip Deneau. I think, I think, look, we've talked about this. Philip Deneau is easily replaceable. Easily. And the fact that he was asking for five times six in the offseason last season. Just shows you how weird of a year this has been. He, he has eight assists, zero goals, zero percent shooting, you know, as, as with zero goals. I mean, what gives? Like, it's not even a slump at this point because he did nothing in the bubble. He didn't even score. Because last time he scored, there were fans in the crowd. Oh, God. I mean, it's crazy to me because when he's on the ice, like, okay, you when, when he's on the ice with Tatar and, and Gallagher, Gallagher is still, you know, doing his thing. Not to, not to the extent that he had in the past, but he's still getting in the corner, still winning puck battles, still getting to the front of the net. Tatar, you know, he, he's he had he's had his fair share of but ups and chances. downs, but he's had chances. Yeah. Dano, I to me is gliding seventy five percent of the time, maybe eighty percent of the time. I I don't and and to me the fact that he was asking for was it six years or for six million a year six for years. five years? It was six years, five million per. Okay, there are so many other check, centers but... in this league that can do exactly what he's doing for less than half the price. I completely agree, especially at the third the third line position. But Ducharme doesn't be doesn't seem to be treating it like like it just yet, right? Kakiemi got 15 minutes on Thursday night, and I think that's a step in the right direction. However, I still think Dano is getting some serious minutes. Look, it was yeah, it was 6 years, 30 million. Apparently, he was offered. That was the that's what came out. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know about the big names in free agency. I don't know. Look, the Habs struggle signing big name free agents. But you got you gotta let a guy like that go. Oh, and I'm not sure what they're gonna do about Tatar. Um, well, we've talked about this. He could be used as some serious trade bait going forward. He can. Or what I was thinking is the Seattle expansion draft before um, free agency. Do we know? Not a thousand percent sure. I can't. Uh, if it is. You gotta, you gotta protect someone like Evans over Tatar, right? I, I think Evans. 
I don't, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think Evans is playing great hockey, and he's still a young guy. Because cause Tatar, look, maybe his value isn't that high, but I don't mind. I'd rather lose him to Seattle than to free agency, if I'm being honest. Because mm-hmm. at least you're protecting someone else for him. Especially since we're not going to re-sign him anyway, right? Yeah. And Jake Evans is 24 years old, just to put that in perspective. So he's playing fourth-line minutes. He's doing his job properly. But I could – I mean, look, not this year necessarily, but I think in the future you could see him move up the move up the lines, move up the depth chart. I can see him in that third slot. Oh, 100%. And I think, and I think he would do a very good job. I think that's, I think that's going mm-hmm. – like, I think that's going unnoticed because, you know, everyone sees Jake Evans as, oh, he's doing well at the four, at, you know, on the fourth line. Why change it? Why, why do anything to it? He's playing better hockey than Dano is. Yeah, the, I wouldn't move him yet, Jake Evans. No, right? no, I wouldn't either. But I'm just saying in the future, like I don't think it's out yeah, of the question. He's 24, so he he's he's getting to that age where he could make that jump. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, sorry, just to cut you off, I just to put into perspective, mm-hmm. Dano played 18 minutes last night. 18. Yeah, that makes no sense. And how much does Suzuki play? Suzuki Suzuki played 21 minutes. Okay, I'm happy fair. with that. And Kotkin gave me 15? 15, yeah. Okay, so it, it's better than 12, right? It's, it's a lot better than 12. Yeah. And and I think it's important to note that a guy like Kotkin who's so young and who has untapped potential, needs to be playing in bigger minutes, play bigger minutes, but also play in bigger situations. And by bigger situations, I mean put him up, put him up against some of the bigger name guys. Let yeah. him... Let him I mean, not let him struggle, but let him adapt and let him learn from mistakes. Le- learn from mistakes. Yeah. Because I'm in the NHL or in hockey in general, to get better, you need to grow from places you went wrong. And and you know, if Kakinyemi is gonna continue to get twelve minutes and not really grow, like what yeah. is that doing for his exactly. for his future? Exactly. And- and to go, like, I'm going to go back a bit on the Jake Evans conversation with Dano. Like, Mark Bergevin has to be a bit careful here going into the offseason because if you lose Tatar and Dano without replacing them, like, it, we're Vancouver over here, right? To a certain extent, yes. To a certain extent, but we don't have Pedersen. <laughs> um, or Besser. Or Besser. So, or JT Miller. <laughs> so, look, Caulfield comes in, right? And I think he jumps in the top 900%. I think he has to, right? You can't you can't put a guy of that talent and of that skill on the fourth line to start the season. No, 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 you can't. It's not a thing you can do. I think he could replace that left side where Tatar would be. Centers, I have no idea because But I think I think that's where I mean, look, I think Bergevin has done a good job putting this team together, but I think that's where Bergevin goes out and signs someone with the role of a third line center. Not with yeah. not with the role of a guy who can play first, second, third, like what we've done with Dano over the past two, three years. It's been up and down consistently. I would have liked a Miku Koivu signing in the summer. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Throw him on the taxi squad and pop him and Evans out of the lineup. Just to have that extra guy because now, look, there's a lot of people complaining we're too young up the middle or the Habs are too young up the middle. Look, I, I don't mind it. But now they're relying on Philip Dano way too much. Because they're young. So another guy would have been nice. We don't have that luxury. But but like what about a guy out of out of Chicago and Carl Soderberg, right? I, yeah. I don't know if you've been paying attention to his play as of late, but he does his job. And that's what's missing in Dano's game right now. It's not like 
it's not like since he's not producing on the offensive side, he's playing amazing defensively. You're not really noticing his defensive play. No, this this guy thinks that he can play one or two on another team. Which is ridiculous. Ridiculous if it's not the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> but this guy thinks he's going to the Rangers. Like, if you, the Rangers need center help. Is Dano really their one-two? Realistically not, because they still have Zibanejad, and then their second-line center would be... I'm pulling that up right now. Uh, I'm blanking. Oh, Ryan Strom. So, no. And I But and look, yeah, they need help. And they, I'm sure they would love a guy like Philip Deneau, but he slots but in at on three. The third, on the third line. So this guy... I, yeah, it, it blows my mind that, look, and if he was playing amazing hockey, he'd put, us in, he'd put the Habs in a tough position to at least offer him a contract. But no, it's pretty simple. Yeah, to me, to me, I think we're letting him walk and and we'll replace him with someone for half the price who can do their job and and that's it. Because you don't because look, we we can both agree that Suzuki and Kakeniemi have some serious offensive potential and mm-hmm. Suzuki's shown it, Kakeniemi a little less, but but you could see it. You could see it. So, you don't need a third line guy to be able who 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 puts up goals. You just need him to no. be that shutdown guy. Yeah, like Philip Deneau was. Yeah, and and which, yeah, anyway. All right, we'll, we'll move on from the Philip Deneau. We'll give him a bit of a break here. Um, we'll move into to overtime and what happened in overtime. And did Philip Deneau, be, I know we want to move on from Philip Deneau, but did he touch the ice in overtime? He did. He did? He did. Great. Okay. <laughs> I think that's part of his 18 minutes. That was part of his 18 minutes. Okay. So we'll, we'll go into overtime here. And surprisingly... Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi goes up against Mark Scheifele for the opening draw. And loses it. He loses it. Makes but, up for no, it later. But I, I, wasn't, I wasn't saying that in a bad <laughs> okay. way. I, I, was, I was just... Because, because why, the reason I brought that up is because in the Sens game, the reason Dano was out there was to win the draw. Yeah. And now Kotkaniemi is out there with maybe a different approach. Now, I'm not mad at it at all. I think it's actually a, a step in the right direction. Because yeah, like I emphasized before, I think a guy like Kotkaniemi needs to play in big situations to get better, learn from his mistakes. And I think that playing and going up against Mark Scheifele for the first shift of overtime really puts him in a, in an uncomfortable situation, but a situation that he will learn from and get better from. And still a guy who's 20 years old. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. And he was on with... Was he on with Petrie? He was on with Petrie and... Who was the other one? Was it not... I was kind of just focused on Kotkaniemi. Was it not... Uh, it wasn't to Foley. No, I think Toffoli went on with Suzuki later on. Look, it's because this is the the longest they've lasted against the Jets in overtime. So <laughs> Literally. I'm kinda, I'm a bit confused. Yeah, here. Uh, I'll double check here. Uh, 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 uh. Look, well, it definitely wasn't Gallagher. <laughs> Gallagher didn't touch the ice. He didn't. I, I know he didn't play. He didn't play. But that's concerning, right? That's that's a little concerning. It is concerning. A thirty goal scorer two years in a row is not touching the ice over a guy like Armia, who's a fringe third line center, a third line wing, third line wing, yeah, fringe, fringe, yeah, yeah. He he's great on the fourth line. He's yeah, that, but that's what I'm saying is that like he's debatably a third line winger. So look, um, if we look at Kotkaniemi started, I liked it. I don't mind it. But moving forward, I again, you put Suzuki, you put Kotkaniemi. Okay, it's fine. But the Jets, did they even? Did they even put a? A third line. Did, did they put a defenseman on? Don't think so. No. 
And then, and then the Habs reciprocate, reciprocated and did the exact same thing, right? We put three, three forwards on. It was Byron, Suzuki, and Tatar at one point. Yeah, I don't know if that was confusion from the bench. I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm not a thousand percent sure, but I don't think so because they stayed out longer than I would have expected if it was a mistake. Yeah, it could very well be. It could very well be. And I don't mind going three forwards, especially against the Jets because of how strong they are. But, but look, overtime, it started off well. I liked it. I like the guys that were on. Sorry to cut you off, but it was Kakanyemi and Byron, I believe. Okay, that's what I was trying to find. It was Kakanyemi and Byron. Okay, Byron played a few shifts in overtime. He did. And, and honestly, I think that's something to touch on because I think people might be a little mad about it because you look at his position at 5-on-5 and he's a fourth-line guy, penalty killer, who has some pretty insane speed but i think it, i think it's not a bad idea to put him out there he's got some crazy speed that he can use to you know to his advantage to burn some of these slower defensemen especially with that much room to skate and room to you know mess around yeah no um but look further on into overtime armia jumps on the ice it was a second shift correct me if i'm wrong second shift I don't I don't get it. I don't see any positive of him being on the ice because you're not retrieving pucks in overtime. But Mark, does does Ducharme not see the original mistake he had made in Tuesday night's yeah, game? Yeah, that's what I don't get. I don't Or was it Tuesday no not Tuesday night's game, sorry. In uh it in was, the it was like it was like last weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was last weekend. When we went to overtime with it was the, the second it was the second game against the Jets. Sorry, Jets, not Sens. Yeah. yeah, Jets. So so I mean look, like it's a little concerning to me that Ducharme has that much confidence in Armia to put him out twice, to not even put out Gallagher once. Once. In, w- in one of his like post-practice interviews or press conferences, Ducharme had a lot of praise for him. Yeah, he did. He did. Like He says this guy, ha- he said something about untapped potential. Armia's 27. How much potential could there be? Look, he has great hands. But I don't know. But he. But the thing is, Mark, is that he does his job well at five on five, yeah, right? Yeah. Like so. So that's where I guess the confusion for some might come into play. But I think I think this is this is what needs to happen going forward. Army is great at five on five. Does his job. Retrieves pucks in the corner. Big body. Hard to knock off the puck. But what? But putting him out at three on three without possession of the puck is is useless. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. And a guy like Gallagher, who basically does... I mean, look, he's maybe not as great as retrieving the puck, but he has the grit. He gets to the net. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's if that's what you're looking for, then put out Gallagher. Gallagher's also pretty decent defensively. And he's scoring. Yeah, he's scoring. So why, I, don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I'm having a hard time understanding, but I mean, I guess that's... Look, if it was 2019, October, I'd be like, okay, Armia's on the ice. If it's a if it's a five minute overtime and he gets on in the fourth minute, I'd be like, okay, because we don't have Suzuki like the Suzuki we have now. Mm-hmm. They don't yeah. have Kakinyemi like the Kakinyemi they have now. There's no Anderson. There's no Toffoli. But now you, they have all these players. Yeah, they have these have these they have these young weapons with with serious potential. Yeah, look, Anderson wasn't on the wasn't on the ice the whole game, but uh, he didn't play. Oh yeah, yeah, he didn't play. So I don't know. Can we also, sorry to like shift from this yeah. subject, oh but it, it just, it's now to go to the three on three defensive pair, uh, not pairing, sorry, the, 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 the choice of D man that was on the ice. I have yeah. a hard time understanding 
Again, we've talked about the Sherratt-Weber pairing, but I have a hard time understanding why Sherratt gets out there over a guy like Romanov. It should be Romanov-Petrie rotating. Romanov-Petrie rotating. Yeah, I agree. And, and if Mete's in the lineup, throw on Mete. Because Weber and Sherratt at 5-on-5 five five are slow enough, and when you put them on at 3-on-3, three three, I feel like they're greatly exposed to some, to some guys like Ehlers or a guy like Shifley. Kyle Connor. Yeah, yeah. Look, Petrie when he was on the ice for that goal, it was not his fault. Like, let's be Armia. Like, well, he, he got he bumped confi- right into him. Armia did. Armia did. Yeah, because they did like some sort of scissor play, and he got confused because <laughs> I don't know why he's on the ice. Like, it's whatever. But, but yeah, uh, Sherrod should not be on the ice. Weber should not be on the ice. They, I don't know if he was. I don't think he was, Weber. I'm pretty sure he did make it out there. Oh, I think he did because yeah. I did see him go on the rush at one point. Tony Marinaro tweeted about it and said he, he didn't understand why Weber and Sherrod were out there over Ra- uh, Ra- Romanov, Radulov, yeah. but Ra- Romanov. Or yeah. Romanov. Yeah, Romanov. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, look. It's, it's, but, it, you know, and, and as a Habs fan, I just wanted to put it into perspective a little bit, right? You and I, big Habs fans, watching the game, you know, happy with the comeback at the end. Pretty nice goal, right? Nice tip, some a redirect Perry. in front, Scory Perry, and then and then we get to overtime and that happens. How how are you supposed to feel, right? Like let's 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 hit the emotions for a second because you play a great game against a very good team, very solid team, and then blow it in the in the in the overtime because of I'll call it a lack of management. I have a hard time understanding it, and that's why you know today we're talking about it. And are frustrated about it, even though, as a whole, the Habs played a good game. Are they zero and six in overtime? Yes, and shootout. Zero and six past regulation. Yes. So that's six points that they missed out on, right? Correct. Like that makes a difference in the final stretch. It will because because that that could be the difference between us finishing in fourth or in third and playing either Toronto or a team like Calgary or Edmonton, and that's a huge difference. Do you remember that year when they, they needed to beat Columbus? They had one game. They needed to beat Columbus just to get a chance into the playoffs. It was when they drafted Caulfield with a 15th pick. Okay. I do remember that. That it was the it was like the year before that. Yeah, yeah year, it was the year like they well, lost. That's when we that's when we had 99 points and missed the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. They got demolished by Columbus. But it shouldn't get to that point where you need to win with 99 points, right? But that's because they lost so many points in overtime and and sorry, just just to yeah, go ahead. It, what about the that exact year where the Habs were up three one against Toronto and blew it? I mean, look, there we can go back and and pinpoint yeah, every yeah. single game and what should have happened and what could have happened. But at the end of the day, let's just bring it back to this season. These six points that the Habs have missed out on so far, so far, are crucial. Are crucial, especially in a shortened season especially in a shortened season. They're two points behind third place with three games in hand. Imagine. And they lost six points just because they can't finish in overtime. It Like, at some point, Matt, like, it, it's concerning because, look, that, that first game against the Leafs, game one, that, that has to be a Habs win. That has to be a Habs win. They get a lucky bounce. Jimmy VC gets the easiest goal of his career off the ref. But... They were up 2 nothing, and then they lose in overtime off that rush, Morgan Riley. But now, it's just mistakes like the one we saw against Winnipeg a few games last weekend that are just costing this team points where Armia's on the ice. Well, even even 
if we go back to, to Thursday night's game, I mean, what about the turnovers, right? That turnover by Toffoli on their second yeah. goal. Yeah, that was I mean, terrific. listen, mistakes are going to happen. I'm not, I'm not, Toffoli's played great this season, and I'm not going to take away his play. But I mean, the turnovers, like, like you said, like these little mistakes are going to cost us six points like they have mm-hmm. to date. That was a tape of tape pass. And it wasn't it wasn't a stretch pass. It was a breakout pass. It was right in the sl- uh, yeah. Look, he scored after. Okay, he scored to make <laughs> up for it. But those little mistakes, I, I believe they're going to get fixed under Ducharme. And it takes like we have to wait a bit. We have to be a bit patient. For sure. It's more the decisions that I feel like are costing us games. The decisions by the coaching staff. Yeah, exactly. But but I will give a little bit of credit to Ducharme. I think the I think the Habs game has lost its sloppiness as much like okay yeah. hockey games are not going to be perfect right they're like it, it, it's a bouncing puck you it's you don't know where it's going but the point that i'm trying to make is that the the tape to tape passes on the breakout have been solid there's a lot more uh you know support on the breakout the the neutral zone is a lot less sloppy so you know fixing these things has has you know, resulted in in a much more structured game, a much more you know. You see, there's more support. There's more the breakouts cleaner, little things like that that I think are going to build. Mm-hmm. But, exactly. But yeah, look, it's a lot of points that I missed out on. A rough game, I think Thursday night at least. Well, for the most part, because they played, they had some good chances. Well, I I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I think like. The first period for me, I, I didn't like it. Yeah, neither did I. But I think the second and third were, I think the third, the start to the third was meh. It wasn't great. But, but that's then, the thing, right? It shouldn't. It should just be 60 minutes of on. Yeah, they shouldn't give on. the Jets, just like last weekend when they gave the Jets a chance to come back, the Jets gave them a chance to come back because this game could have been over after the first period, which shouldn't be happening. Like they were, they were getting that. Passes were going into the skates. Nothing was going for them. But look, that's going to change again. They're they're playing in a in a weird way right now. The Canadians they're not confident. Hopefully they build up on the past few games, and uh, we'll we'll see Saturday night. So yeah. Saturday night against the Jets once again at the Bell Center. We think Price is going to start. So bold statement. It's bold statement time. You, again, you can DM us on Instagram. DM us on Twitter. What you guys think of the bold statements? I'm going to start with you, Justin. What's your bold statement for Saturday night? So I think the Habs go back to price, right? Yeah. They have to. And that's that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think the Habs pull out a 3 nothing victory with a price shutout. 3 nothing victory with a price shutout. Okay. So bold. the S word has been, has been used. Yeah. All right. But look. Lightly, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with two goals from Shea Weber. Very bold. You know, it's very bold, but I think at one point he's got to step up. For sure. He's a leader. He's got to take that that's, next that's, level. That's his, uh, that's his job. Yeah, the season taken lightly here in Montreal. And uh, I, I want to see two goals from Shea Weber. It's bold, but that's the point of this segment. Once again, we thank you so much for joining us. It's been the Habs Culture Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.